Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Somebody is playing techno in the background on and off, like in the parking lot. So if you hear like really funky beats, yeah, rest assured they're not mine. I don't do the funky beats thing. It's cold out there. It's cold out there. Sorry. Is that the is that the Midwestern? Uh... That's Minnesota techno right there. <laughs> that sounds about on point. I totally stole it from this YouTube video I watched once upon a time that uh, I've never forgotten. It's always been first to my heart. There was one time where uh, there was like some serious techno vibes just shaking the house. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I was so mad. And this was my real old person moment. I happened to like go on my balcony and like see like, what's going on? Who's out there? What's going on? And I found out, I looked it up that in the there's like a, a large park very close to us where they actually had SARS Fest if you remember that stars Sarstock. And apparently Skrillex was playing there. Like actual Skrillex. And I'm like, well I guess I can't complain about the techno because like the king of techno is in my backyard playing. So I gotta put up with this and I did. I've seen Skrillex. They're pretty good. Oh really? That's to, uh, I know my to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, th- those vibes sure get across the the wind, especially if the wind is blowing north. So yeah, I got great. all of the vibes. Oh yeah, it's, it's vibe city. All right, Nadia, we got a lot to talk about this week on Acts of the Blood God. Mostly though, we are wrapping up the console RPG quest. Yep, our journey has come to an end at last. Now that we have talked about the Nintendo Switch, and we're going to wrap it up by putting all of the consoles into tiers and talking about which ones we consider to be the best consoles for each for different types of RPGs. And Nadia was the one who put together all of the tiers, but I'm going to politely disagree with her on I, some of yeah. the uh, actual ratings. <laughs> yeah, I'm I can't parse numbers. I can't parse that kind of thing like I can't put one thing above another un- unless it's very, very obvious. So if you're talking about like the the finicky details of why one was over the other, uh, I'm just like, sure, I surrender. I just don't understand. It's it's all good to me. Like I hate putting things in lists. We also have a lot of RPG news to talk about, as well as the release of Dark and Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, which got a lot of bad reviews. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of sad, but yeah. Before we get to that, though, Acts of the Blood God is an independent RPG podcast. And hey, do us a favor. If you enjoy the show, go and click the little review button at the bottom of the podcatcher of your choice. Leave us a review. We really appreciate it. It would totally brighten our day, Nadia. It would make us very, very happy, as you can tell by my voice. <laughs> well, you sound really tired today, Nadia. Um, I, I think you're tired, too. I think we're both a little bit exhausted. It's been a long week. It's always been a long week. Forever. Hooray. Forever. Hooray. I'm going to die like Boxer the Horse from Animal Farm. Yay. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where you can go and access all of our special episodes. The Pantheon voting is underway right now. And as of right now, Fantasy Star and Golden Sun are tied, Nadia. I thought for sure 13 Sentinels was going to take this, so I'm a little bit miffed. But on the other hand... Uh, I was not into Golden Sun and give it another chance, of course, but I did very much enjoy the M2 remake, uh, not, re- not remake, but revamp of a Fantasy Star. And it's a really, really nice little RPG that's fun to go back to. So I'd like to see that one win, frankly. 
It's because I said preemptively that a real-time strategy visual novel can't go in the pantheon. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, so you finally put the kibosh on that. Okay. I was like, sorry, community, can't do that. (laughs) And they were like, oh, boo. Well, we want to talk about an actual RPG then. I'm like, that's nice. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Talk about RPGs. I guess 13 Sentinels, yeah, it's really up in the air. I think you asked what genre is it, and I said it's whatever it wants to be. It's like Gozer. It's the Gozer of, of, of video games. Well, the voting will close just a couple hours after this podcast goes live. So if you haven't voted yet, go ahead and vote, because you may well swing whether or not we will be talking about Golden Sun or Fantasy Star, Nadia. Yes, exercise your democratic right. Exercise your democratic right, indeed. A couple more items. Got a cool pin. Go buy it over on the Patreon, or you can go check the show notes on the Patreon for the link. And it's also on social media. It's also on the Discord. It's a very cool pin. It's celebrating year one of the Patreon. And by the way, if you subscribe to the $100 tier, which is currently open, not only do you get a free pin, you also have an opportunity to be on the podcast with you and me after a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, we would love to have you as a guest. And hey, that pin actually sold out of its first run very quickly, but you got another run going. Indeed. Okay, Nadia, let's get to what we're playing. We'll start out with Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, which you are not playing, but is now available. The reviews are out. Here are some of the comments from... Various people, IGN called it mind-numbingly boring, full of bugs, four-player. It is a four-player action-adventure dungeon crawler that is just not that fun to play by yourself. Eurogamer said, I can't look you in the eyes and tell you Dark Alliance is a great game because it isn't. Ow. Oh, that's too bad. I was kind of looking forward to that, hoping it would be good. Yeah, they're going to have local co-op eventually when they release it in a patch. Oh, so they don't even have local co-op yet. It's all online co-op. Yeah, it's just pure online co-op. I don't really want that. If I was to play that game, I'd want to play it with my husband, you know? Very repetitive. Um, It's made by a studio called Tuck Games and is published by Wizards of the Coast. It looks reasonably pretty in action, but also very generic. Yeah, I saw the trailers for it. And I mean, it's supposed to look generic to a certain point because it is the Dungeons & Dragons universe. Like... I saw the trailer with the the elf and the dwarf and the whatever fighting the white dragon. It's all very, very standard uh, D&D stuff, which is fine with me. But if it's not fun and exciting and interesting the way, like, say, the Baldur's Gate universe is, then why bother? Good old whatever. It's my favorite monster. <laughs> no, it was a race. This is the race of whatever. A uh, dude with a, probably a cleric, had a hammer. It's also a shame given that the, the pedigree, given that a lot of people still have Fond failings, I think, for Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, and Dark Alliance 2, which are, by the way, have been recently remastered. And maybe just the fact that those games were remastered in order to promote Dungeons & Dragons, Dark Alliance, makes this release all worth it, Nadia. Yeah, sure, let's put it that way. Let's look on the bright side of life here. Though Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance 1 is quite hard, unfortunately. (laughs) So I have heard, but... I think you mentioned 2 was supposed to be a bit better. 2 is a bit more polished. They're pretty similar, ultimately. Black Isle Studios worked on that one. There was supposed to be a third one, but it never happened. Tier. Oh. Well, this is the third one, I guess. Yeah, and it's there like, you are. Eh. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Nadia, what else have you been playing lately? Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne in preparation for the Pantheon, but also uh, 
I got in trouble because the SteamWorld games all went on sale. So I sat you got there in and, trouble. Well, I just kind of got cut off in them. Like I did one, uh, I did two, and then I'm going through SteamWorld Heist. And well, here's an RPG element for you. I found out that you can't say so it has DLC. I never played the DLC, but I found out that you can get hats that are shaped like RPG characters. So I actually got Cloud's hair. I got Naoto's hat from uh, Persona 4. So there you go. RPG adjacent. <laughs> which po- which platform are you playing it on? Switch. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, the SteamWorld games are a perfect match for Switch. Like, the I remember being really enthralled with the first SteamWorld Dig, and then SteamWorld Dig 2 came out, and like, wow, what an improvement. So, yeah, it's just a... Uh, uh, Image and Form changed their names recently to, I think, SteamWorld Games or something like that. They're doing great work. They say more SteamWorld games are coming, and I am looking forward to them. They may not be RPGs, but heck if they aren't good. And they're, you know what? There is a lot of growth there. You got to level up. You got to, you know, in terms of SteamWorld Heist, you got to manage your stats. So uh, there you go. I can't. Stats management or something. There you go. Yeah, yeah. In all seriousness, I'm pretty sure that we reviewed SteamWorld Heist to, when it came out originally. I know that I gave it. A five out of five on US Gamer, and I was really shocked by how good and how enjoyable of a tactics RPG, and it ended up being. Uh, it's basically Firefly with robots and XCOM. It's amazing. I love it. So it's um, still it's still great. Like yeah. playing it again, it hasn't aged a day. I think tactics games are pretty much my favorite genre too. So that's another reason that it spoke so hard to me. That's high praise coming from you because you know tactics games a lot better than I do. <laughs> Well, I hope they make SteamWorld Heist 2 eventually. Me too. I've been dabbling, Nadia. Mm, sometimes you just gotta dabble from a little bit back and forth. Yeah, I played... Uh, I picked up Yakuza Like a Dragon again recently. Oh, good. Good. Yep. Still very good. Still really enjoying it. Um, I would really like to finish it. I'm also playing some No Man's Sky, which is not really an RPG at all, but it does have a lot of base building, a lot of customization, and those are just kind of the games that I like to get lost in, the games that are basically holodecks. Did uh, No Man's Sky have another update? Why'd you go back to it? I went back to it because it's been a couple of years since I last played it. I wanted to see like what's different from it right now. Also, I have it on PlayStation 5, and there's a PlayStation 5 version. It's received a couple of really big graphical updates uh, since I last played it, and it, it does indeed look quite gorgeous on the PS5. Not like you know, the most amazing thing ever, but it's gotten some really nice graphical filters and whatnot. And because I didn't import my PS4 save, I've been playing, uh, I started a new game and it's really interesting how different the the beginning is from what how it was at launch. Because at launch it was, you know, go collect some stuff, fix your hyperdrive, okay, start going. And in yeah, this one, yeah. they're like integrating all of the base building elements to teach you how to do all of that and everything. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. So they really they really have built it up quite a bit. Yeah, and space is a lot livelier now. Um, I'm looking forward to getting my starship so that I can jet around the stars. I probably shouldn't be playing this game. So, like, I should be playing a game that I can actually finish as opposed to No Man's <laughs> Sky, which will just keep you going. Can't. Yeah, yeah. But I have a habit of falling into games that I just can't finish ever. I don't know why. I think we all have one. I mean, I'll never be able to finish Final Fantasy XIV. Then I'm I mean, still kind of do. It. You finish an expansion. It's like a game within the game, right? Well, yeah, but then you have like, say, you take up a job. Then you have the quests that come with that job, and hmm. like, there are many, many, many jobs. So I've been right now. I'm just leveling up my alchemist. You know what's surprising to me? That Star mm-hmm. Wars: The Old Republic didn't just keep releasing 
this should Star Wars: The Old Republic should have been Final Fantasy fourteen. Yes, but then I wouldn't like it. There would have been a way. <laughs> there would have been way more storytelling. They could have just periodically released a big new expansion, and I I don't know what EA like what EA's problem was in that regard. I guess just the fact that it had no end game or whatever. Maybe people just thought of MMORPGs differently when the Old Republic came out. Yeah, it could be. Um, it could have been fatigue even by then. Maybe Final Fantasy fourteen. I don't know if it was in its one phase, but that would have probably tainted a lot of people's opinions on rpgs and rpgs i don't know what final fantasy 14's numbers are or how they compare to world of warcraft and i don't really remember star wars the old republic's initial numbers but i I, i'm curious to know how the old republic and final fantasy 14 compared because i bet if ea looked at final fantasy 14's numbers they'd be like yes not world warcraft size and would bounce you know or square enix is like hell yeah we saved final fantasy I actually heard, like, I don't know, I don't know the numbers as well as anyone, but I have heard that 14 has surpassed WoW, so, and it has a lot more momentum, frankly, than WoW does. A lot of WoW people have jumped over to Final Fantasy 14 and are seeing all of the cat girls. Cat boy <laughs> <And> hell. <laughs> they're like, I'm staying right here. What's, actually, we were talking about Overwatch and its fandom a couple of weeks ago and how uh, uh, Blizzard kind of dropped that. Uh, I I meant I meant to say that a lot of my friends, particularly my my woman friends, when that happened, they jumped over to fourteen because they mm-hmm. wanted that story, they wanted that lore, and Blizzard was like, "No, uh, everything's mechanics forever." And to be fair, a lot of MMORPG players do go back and forth between WoW and uh, Final Fantasy because if you want those hardcore raids and stuff like that, yeah, you're going to WoW. So, yeah, that's the problem with WoW is that. It just got really gimmicky over a while, and every expansion kind of became the, what's the new gimmick this time around? <laughs> Pandas. And in many ways, they're, they've run out of ideas for stories, so they're just going back to kind of what's popular. They're like, uh, yeah, you really you really liked Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, well, here's Sylvanas again. <laughs> and people are like, all right, Sylvanas. And uh, admittedly, I'm, I'm like that too. Except yeah. they're going to ruin Sylvanas. Jerks. Sylvanas is pretty cool, though. You can't ruin him. You can't, you can't ruin Sylvanas, I agree. But I'm not, I don't really care about the story of Final Fantasy XIV, but it is pretty, and I will get back to it eventually. It looks very nice on the PlayStation uh, 5. Like I bet. Oh, and not having to deal with those horrible load times anymore. Yeah, the load times are great. And after Heaven's Word, they, tur- they dropped the PlayStation 3 thing and said, okay, you know what? <laughs> You're on your own PlayStation 3 character, people, R.I.P., so you could really see the jump in the graphics from that expansion onward. Sorry, PS3 folks. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, hell, GTA Online only just cut off PlayStation 3 uh, players. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, it was amazing. almost 10 years ago that GTA 5 came out. So Whew. I can't even stand to think of that. And I think 14 came, the A Realm Reborn came out like, what, 2014? Thereabouts? So <laughs> that's been yeah. a while too. It's been around. All right, Nadia, let's get to some RPG news. This one was a big surprise. It just came out of nowhere in the middle of the day when I was at work. Um, I was the one to write it up for IGN. Um, A Final Fantasy IX animated series is coming out. It was broken by an industry magazine for kids animated series. Square Enix is co-producing it alongside a French studio. It's basically under development now. They have not set decided how long each episode is going to be, how long a season is going to be, like what it's going to look like. They're just developing initial pitches, basically, and then they're going to pitch it to broadcasters. 
I think they just announced it so that they could drum, drum up excitement and be like, look, look how excitement, how excited people are. <laughs> it was trending in North America. This did come out of nowhere, and I think people have mixed feelings about it. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you can't tell Final Fantasy IX story is not for kids. It's too mature. It's too serious. And yeah, I <laughs> you can't see the face that Kat's making now, people, but it's hilarious. Uh, and I said, I think cartoons nowadays for kids are so much smarter than they were when we were kids. They're state like Gravity Falls is brilliant. Uh, I never liked Steven Universe, but I could understand the appeal. They have deeper themes. They have good lessons. And I think that Final Fantasy IX is not one of the darker Final Fantasies. I think that, yes, it has questions about identity and, and existentialism and, and all of that. But that's stuff that kids can relate to. You can still talk to a kid about identity and stuff like that. Like, I don't see why a kid w- wouldn't understand the mortality of Vivi and all the black mages and all of that kind of thing. I think it's a very, I mean, heck, it's a, it was based on the Dark Crystal, which is not exactly an R-rated movie. It is dark and a little bit disturbing at times, but it's still for kids, technically. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. The fact that Square Enix is involved is promising. Um, the cartoons that this studio has put out, there aren't really any notable ones in there. Like the actual quality level seems a little bit low, honestly. Are they, you said it was a French studio? Yeah, it's a French studio. Um, they, I don't like recognize any of the shows that they put out, probably because they, A, I'm not a little kid. And B, because they uh, aren't coming out in North America, maybe? I don't know. But yeah, that could be it. It, but, could uh, be, it could be that they're really aiming toward a very young demographic. That Yeah, I think they mentioned, I read something like 8 to 13, eight which to is 13, quite young. 13, thereabouts, yeah. Which I wonder what they're going to get with that, because there's not a lot of 9 nostalgia for 8 to 13-year-olds. But so, it has that art style to it, right? It so does have it, that art style. The it distinctive is, characters, they can, you can probably render it in 3D without too much trouble. Yeah, yeah. And I can imagine like parents watching with their kids because the parents who grew up with nine are now like, oh, hey, let's watch nine together. Oh, this sucks. Hopefully they won't say that, but maybe their Those kids will enjoy monsters. it. little monsters. <laughs> Why are you little? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's the way it's going for the Final Fantasy IX cartoon. It's actually amazing how many series there are coming out now based on games. It's like, man, when I was a kid, I would have killed for this sort of thing. All we had was like crappy ass Mario and Zelda was half decent, but that was all you could really hope for. Well, excuse me, princess. I guess you want a good kid show based on your video game. I actually got to interview Bob Forward because he wrote for the Zelda cartoon. And he had a real real thing for uh, Tinkerbell slash Sprite, which I thought was great. (laughs) He was amazing. I am not that excited about a Final Fantasy IX animated series. I think it's an interesting turn. For Square, though, to start adapting some of their best beloved stories into TV shows. I think it's interesting that they're not going the hardcore anime route, that they're going more, I guess they're trying to go for more of an international Mm. kind of feel. We'll see how that ends up going. I will say that when it comes to Final Fantasy IX, it is one of the funniest games in the series. And I think if they can kind of keep that spirit alive in the show, it will translate pretty well. I think it would be nice to have a video game show that really is for kids that age because yeah. Castlevania is like M easily M rated. Uh, mm. The Witcher is not exactly for kids either. Everyone wants their. Really? It's not for kids. 
<laughs> I mean, you can let your kids watch it and see what happens, but I don't think anything good will come of it. Mommy, what's happening to her uterus? <laughs> <laughs> That's where you came from, son. <laughs> so yeah, um, anyway, if they go want to our Witcher watch, <laughs> yes, please do. It was actually uh, we had a lot of uterus talk there. Uteri, we I sure guess. did. <laughs> it's the plural of that. So yeah, I am happy to see something kind of made in, more for kids in mind. Well, Final Fantasy IX, the animated series, apparently tapped for maybe twenty, maybe tapped to begin production in late twenty twenty two. I think maybe early twenty twenty three. So uh it'll be a bit so, yeah before this game this show you may as well out, forget so. about it till it pops up again yeah on the video game side uh speaking of late 2022 early 2023 you got a whole mess of trails games nadia we have trails from zero trails to azure that would be the crossbell duology uh trails into reverie and boundless trails um so I'm a little confused. Trails into Reverie, is that the sequel to Trails of Cold Steel? You're asking the wrong person. I as okay. I put in, in the notes, like I do not understand these timelines very well yet. Like I am still trying to digest Trails of Cold Steel, and that's its whole other universe. I haven't tra- played in the sky or anything like that. So we are getting all these games localized, supposedly, which is good. But for now, right this second, I try to look up you know, Crossbell this, Crossbell that, which I understand the reference to Crossbell is because it's in Cold Steel. But yeah, uh, this is all stuff that I will have to kind of consume as it comes to me. Well, the Trails from Zero, Trails to Azure story was kind of interesting because there's this uh, fan localization group called, I believe, Geofront. Mm. And they had been working on a localization patch for uh, Trails from Zero, Trails to Azure since like 2016 or thereabouts. And they most recently, I believe, released a patch a couple months ago for Trails to Azure. And now NIS America is partnering with them and taking their work and using that as the basis for their localization of these games. That is a great idea. I love it when uh, companies work with fans, especially with localizations. I wish that Nintendo would do the same thing with uh, Tomato and Mother 3. (laughs) It'll never happen. So this is what Push Square says. Trails into Reverie is basically a sequel to Trails of Cold Steel. It doesn't cover Reen, but it does tie it doesn't just cover Reen in the gang. It also ties up stories years in the making from other Trails games, hence Reverie's gigantic cast of characters. A, a Trails game with a with a gigantic cast of characters? No. Nah, never, yeah. never. Can't wait to talk about Trails for a Pantheon episode. That'll be fun. I would look forward to that. I think that would be a lot of fun. So Trails from Zero and Trails to Azure originally came out in like 2011, 2010. So on the PSP. So this has been a long time coming, Nadia, like 10 years. I really hope that Falcom kind of gets it together with, say, worldwide simultaneous translations. I Mm. know that's very difficult, probably. It probably takes a lot of resources, but playing a game from 2010 i'm not going to say hey i'm not doing this but i would have liked to play it a lot sooner than this so boundless trails is an action role-playing game by the way okay yeah all of the trails all the trails many many trails many trails to wander down so the bad news nadia is that we're going to have to wait a little while before trails from zero comes out it will be out in 
2022, like late 2022, and the rest will be out in 2023. So buckle up. But hey, if there's like a million other Trails games to play in the meantime, so you can always go play those. Yeah, we are. We, there is no shortage of Trails games. And I was just saying, I wish Falcom would localize them more quickly, but uh, we have a glut. So maybe I should just shut my mouth and play what we got. The You can go play the Trails of Cold Steel Tetralogy. How many numbers is in a Tetralogy? Let me guess, four, four. right? Because of Tetris. Yes, because okay, right, right. Quadrilogy is not an, a thing. Quadrilogy came from Aliens, the Alien Quadrilogy. <laughs> and they just made that word up. It's Tetra. So it might be Tetraology or something like that. But I prefer saying tetra- Tetralogy. Anyway, so yeah, go play Trails of Cold Steel and also Trails in the Sky. There are like three of those as well. Um, unfortunately, the GeoFront uh, localization patches have been pulled down from their mm. sites, so you Makes can't sense. get a hold of those. And they urge fans to support the official versions when they do eventually come out. I think that's fair, yeah. And they will be out on Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4, not 5, 4. <laughs> Imagine playing it on your PlayStation 4 in like 2023 or whenever they said it was coming out. That's going to be a riot. You know, the PS4 is still very popular. I'm like in the process of selling my PS4 right now, actually. And they're still, they're like going for pretty much full price because people mm. can't get a hold of PS5s. So they're just like, eh, screw it, I'll just get a PS4. They're kind of the similar. Yeah, sure, they're the same thing. I'm sure it'll yeah. be fine. I mean, you could yeah. just play, you can just play Trails from Zero on your PS4, or PS5. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing my RPGs on my PS5 and it's all been pretty great. In terms of games that are coming out a little sooner from now, we got two new demos, Nadia. Both of them are JRPGs, and both of them are pretty notable. I have both of them on my Nintendo Switch. I haven't played them yet, but I would like to play them. Mm-hmm. One is Neo: The World Ends With You, which both you and Eric Van Allen were very excited about. I, the, the release trailer has made me even more excited. I think it looks pretty great. And <laughs> what's funny is that it was kind of leaked a little bit early, so everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, great, it's coming out. And Square's like, don't. <laughs> Somebody hit that button again. Somebody hit the button too early. Yep. On social media. Yep. Social media will be the death of us all, unfortunately. Pretty much. I remember I launched the our Patreon before you wanted me to. That was pretty great. <laughs> oh, did that happen? That happened. I put it up before you were ready. Uh, social media tells you. Uh, isn't yeah, great? people were signing up. I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Nadia, what did you do? Uh, nothing. And then Monster Hunter Stories 2, the mm. demo is out too. So you can play both of them. Yes, I actually have not downloaded them yet, but I will be doing that, especially with Monster Hunter Stories 2. Uh, the, the tittle-tattle, and I've seen screenshots of this, is people can actually use like settings, character settings from Breath of Fire. So you can make yourself a Ryu, you can make yourself a Nina, and everyone's just like, oh, come on, Capcom, stop being like this. Wow. That's just like trolling, isn't it? It's very much trolling. It's like, okay, is, are you doing something with this or are you just being mean? It's like when Skies of Arcadia characters were showing up in Valkyria Chronicles and you're like, come on, please. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Oh, that was great. Vice and uh, I can't remember the name of the girl off the top of my head. The one who looks like Badger, uh, the, the sticks the Badger from Sonic the Hedgehog. But they were very cute together. I thought they were a great couple. Asia, and the good it. news, Nadia, is that the progress from Monster Hunter Stories 2 demo carries over to the full game. 
that is good news. Uh, that makes me all the more excited to play that demo. The Neo World Ends With You progress, I guess, it takes you through the first couple days, maybe? Mm-hmm, but you can't transfer that over. I don't think the style of gameplay would allow it quite very the same way. Yeah, and I, if it's anything like the original game, it'll actually be quite short anyway. Mm-hmm, exactly. So uh, you got your demo, you got your full game. Look forward to the post credit sequence where Sora shows up. <laughs> he shows up and announces Kingdom Hearts 4. Like the time that like uh, that streamer, I don't even remember her name, but she was just kind of tooling around with uh, PT and discovers that it's a uh, Silent Hills. It just uh, everyone loses their mind and it just kind of all happened by someone playing a demo. That was a great bit of uh, marketing right there. Nomura in his dog park. <laughs> Yapping around with all of his little belts. Oh, that sounds like he'd be like a little Yorkshire Terrier covered in belts. All right, so those two demos are available now on Nintendo Switch and other platforms too, I'm sure, but I only really care about the Switch right now. It's pretty much what you want to play on the Switch. It is very much a Switch game. All right, folks, let's continue on to the main topic, which is a wrap-up for the console RPG quest. Don't go away. Okay, Nadia, it's time for the console RPG quest, or is it? It's the console RPG quest wrap-up in which we go through and we put all of the consoles into tiers, which you conveniently did. Thank you very much for that, Nadia. Anyway, we're all done. Do you have any thoughts before we get into these particular tiers? Well, you see, I can be organized too sometimes. <laughs> well done, Nadia. You did it. <laughs> I made a list. This was a, a very fun little educational bit. I mean, I thought I knew a lot about RPGs, but I learned so mm. much. Like some little pieces of information I gleaned onto, like that ColecoVision RPG that runs through a Walkman if you insert the tape. I thought that was just fascinating. And uh, yeah, it's it was a little bit depressing to kind of rank the the consoles to the best of my ability and seeing who came out on the bottom. And it's just like, oh, yeah, um, I was a real... RPG hungry little girl and I should not have bought an N64. No siree, Bob. I feel like the one that I learned the most about was maybe PC Engine. I did not yeah. know as much about the PC Engine as I wanted to to the point that we ended up doing a kind of a follow-up episode as a like, yeah, we should probably talk about all those working designs RPGs that came out for it too. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of working designs that came out for uh, Sega CD and the Turbo uh, Graphics CD Engine uh, rather PC Engine I only knew as much as I did about the PC Engine because back in the day, GameFan went freaking nuts over the system and would always show like information and screenshots from import games. I really love the PC Engine. I have a TurboGrafx-16 Mini and I turn it on all the time. Yeah, I love the design for the little one, like the little Japanese one. I hate that they went for, with the American one for the our version. I think the PC Engine is more of a arcade slash shmup system than it is an RPG system, but... It is a delightful console. Yeah, it could definitely handle shmups a lot better than the Super Nintendo, which really had a tendency to slow down. Okay, Nadia, let's go through the tiers and talk about where you put each of them and kind of compare notes and see where we stand. The first one you've got is the LOL tier. 
which is not even bothering <laughs> to put them into the rankings. You have the Jaguar, the Neo Geo, Atari 2600, 5200, 7800, ColecoVision, CDI, 3DO, 32X, and the Engage. We didn't even talk about the Engage. <laughs> I don't even know if they got an RPG on the Engage. Uh, oh, shoot. It occurs to me, though, that I never put the Wonder Swan on there, but I don't know. Did we talk about the Wonder Swan? I don't think we did. Oh, we totally did. There was an episode in which we talked about the Wonder Swan, Nadia. And it was actually pretty good. It had a bunch of, like, I had a bunch of Bandai Namco RPGs plus the Final Fantasy right. remakes. Right. So uh, let's shuffle that in there somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I uh, think it's probably up in the uh, C tier. But yeah. Maybe not the lol tier for sure. No, no. It doesn't belong in the lol tier. There was definitely some stuff on there that was worth playing. And unfortunately, we didn't get. So yeah. Sorry, Wonderswan fans. We really, I really screwed that up along with the Neo Geo Pocket. I think I forgot that one as well. But that was kind of not, I don't know if I'd put that in the lol tier, but uh not exactly a very RPG-heavy system. Uh, I will give that shout-out to the ColecoVision just for that one game I mentioned with that runs with the tape and your Walkman. I still think that's amazing. Otherwise, uh, not a whole lot we're talking about in the LoL tier. 3DO comes close maybe with StarCraft 2. Sorry, Star, uh, Star Control 2, but eh, that doesn't really count. The Atari 2600-5200-7800 had some interesting dungeon crawlers on them. Like, they... Uh, ported a few from the PC. It was very early days in mm. many ways, but they they at least rate a mention in the sense of how they really reflected the early, early, early days of mm. RPGs because they did exist. There was like you know a couple Dungeons and Dragons games on them and and such. That's true, and I suppose to give the twenty six hundred a shout out for Adventure, which even though was not an RPG, started the RPG action RPG genre pretty much on its own. It was formative. Very, very formative. But it's it's not a system you go back to when you want some good old-fashioned retro RPG gaming. It's just not going to really thrill you very much. You have to love the Neo Geo, which had only one RPG, but it was a banger. <laughs> that was the, the Samurai Showdown RPG, right? Yeah, think, it was gorgeous. Holy cow. There was an episode, I think, where you were gone. It was Ray Barnholt and I, and we talked about that RPG and had a good time with that. That was fun. All right, let's continue on to a C tier, Nadia. Well, we were planning on putting the Wonder Swan in there at the very least. I, I think it's funny that you're like, Wonder Swan, whoop! Did we even do an episode on that yeah. one? <laughs> yeah. There were, uh, I mean, I double checked with the list of, of consoles I had on, on Wikipedia, but I guess I, that slipped by me. In fairness, the Wonder Swan isn't the most one memorable uh, platform. Yeah, I think a lot of what was good on it made it to the GBA anyway, like the advanced games, which I don't even think the Wonder Swan got all of those. And you know, I think in the end, at the time, Final Fantasy remakes were pretty notable. Yes. But in the end, I mean, we got a million of those now, so it's not as notable as it was back in the late 90s. No, I'd say they're still worth a mention because they're very hard to get these days and i don't think they're available digitally these particular remakes because square of course has to fragment everything to hell and back so i do remember writing an article for one up r.i.p where i wrote about how final fantasy 4 advance was in a way our first chance to experience the game for the first time because here's a game with a translation that works the bugs are gone uh, the restored items are back. The the dummy uh, stuff is back. Like, for example, Cecil has his dark wave attack again, which I took out of the initial uh, English release of Final Fantasy II. 
So yeah, it was great for that. But as you said, like there are a million ports of Final Fantasy IV everywhere. I mean, I could sit here and talk about them all day. But uh... there were a lot of Super Robot Wars games on the Wonders One. Yeah, <laughs> why am I not surprised? But a lot of the games on the Wonders One were like Mr. Driller, that kind of thing. <laughs> But you can get Mr. Driller anywhere now. I haven't played Mr. Driller, you know? Oh, there's a dope front mission game on it. It's funny how well it was it was uh, supported by Square. Eh, that is very interesting, actually. Uh, Square kind of hung in there and then said, uh, sorry, we're out. It was a very interesting little system, actually. Jeremy Parrish has done many, many retrospectives on the Wonder Swan, so go back and look, listen to Retronauts if you like. I I think it's probably near the top of the C tier. Like, it has a more diverse library than maybe you give it credit for. I think so. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll slip uh, we'll slip it into the top of the tier, but I don't know what number. I hate numbers. So in the C tier, you have number 20, N64, in which you highlighted Paper Mario and Ogre Battle 64, along with Pokemon Stadium. I wouldn't necessarily say Ocarina of Time is an action RPG, Nadia. We're going to have that <laughs> argument again. <laughs> I had to put it in there just because it was so significant. And hell, it's not like I'm like, hey, this belongs in the A tier because it had Ocarina of Time. No, I think it's fine to to keep it out of the lull tier because it had Ocarina and Ogre Battle. I think it had Paper Mario that kept it out of the lull tier and Ogre and Ogre Battle 64. Like those were the two. Yeah, those were both really great games worth owning, particularly Paper Mario. I, you know what? I never played Ogre Battle 64. I will say, though, I love the box art. I think it's absolute fire. I think the Wii U is better than the N64 in terms of RPG. Sorry, Nadia. I mean, just the fact that it had the... I mean, you rated it below the N64. And just the fact that it has Xenoblade Chronicles X and uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which in many ways are at least as good, if not better, than anything on the N64, in addition to the... Um, what was it? The uh, Virtual Console, which you had a bunch more RPGs on top of that. Okay, that's fair, yeah. And then finally, the Master System, which I mean, it had Fantasy Star on it. Hey, hey! I mean, Fantasy Star is a really for its time. It was a pretty incredible RPG, and M two cleaned it up really nicely. It's still fun to play. I still enjoyed it. We could still be talking about it in the upcoming episode. Yeah, so vote with your heart. Vote for the right thing. The SG one thousand was also part of that episode. Oh, I think we might have talked about the Game Gear at the same time, and there was a lot of crossover between them. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover between the Game Gear and the Master System. Uh, there was the Golden Axe, I forget what it's called, there was the Golden Axe RPG that I was always a little curious about. I always wanted to kind of try that. It's supposed to be pretty good. All right, Nadia. So the B tier, the top of the B tier, you have the PlayStation Vita. Interesting choice. I think the Vita was so undersold. I think that if you want to play classic PS1 games... Uh, RPGs. That is your best bet. It is. It kind of works out a little bit more than the than playing on the original PSP for me. Uh, you had we we talked about this in our Switch episode, but it was like the the Switch's Genesis uh, form, it, its first form. It's like Frieza horned form, whatever you want, whatever he was wearing back then. There were a lot of Falcom games on there. There was. Um, Autumn Sphere, which not really RPG, but pretty fantastic RPG-adjacent game. Yeah, Falcom supported it very heavily. That's the main thing. A lot of Ease games on there. And, of course, it had that really nice, beautiful screen. Uh, and we're talking, of course, about Persona 4 Golden. That's worth a, a bump up in the tier by itself. Yeah, I had a lot of Ease games. Had weirdo games like Oreshka Tainted Bloodlines. And then had a lot of games like Caligula Effect that was appealing to 
Yeah, the hardcore weebs. Oh, absolutely. I can't remember if Valkyra Chronicles was on there. There were some versions of Valkyra Chronicles that were kind of bad, so we're not going to talk about those. But yeah, it, it definitely had some games that were eventually did find their way onto the Switch. I'm looking at this list, Nadia, and I think the one that might be a little low is probably the GameCube. You think so? You think the GameCube yeah, should be higher? Yeah, the GameCube had some bangers on it. It was actually kind of surprising. I mean, especially with uh, Bite and Ka- uh, Bat and Kaitos and Tales of Symphonia. That's a, that's a really good one-two punch right there. That's true. And it also and did Thousand have- Year Door is the best Paper Mario. It did also have the remake uh, or kind of revamp of uh, Skies of Arcadia. So maybe I did put it a bit low, but I don't think I did. Uh, it, it does have some really good bangers, but maybe like four <laughs> of yeah. them. I mean, it also had, for the longest time, the only console Pokemon. That is true. Oh, God, I forgot it about those Pokemon games. Pokemon Coliseum and uh, the second one that came out. XD or whatever it was called? Yeah, or Gale of like? Darkness. Did you play that? That looked so I did, good. yeah. It was, was it like, I heard, I, I don't know, I've heard of it, and it seems interesting, but just not very well fleshed out. I mean, I, I don't know about that. I think it was just kind of ugly. It was the main <laughs> knock against it. It was kind of ugly, and that dude had a real weird bike. That's what I remember most about it. I do think, though, it was really cool that you had this Pokemon game where you started with an Espeon and an Umbreon. I thought that was a really, just a really interesting idea. I'd love to see that kind of thing revisited again. You wanted to play at Coliseum because you're, that, that was the only way to get Espeon and Umbreon into ah. the actual uh, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. Wow, what a mess. And people complain now about Dexit. Yeah. Yeah, and that was also, it had a lot of the Hoenn Pokedex, or not the Hoenn Pokedex, the uh, Johto Pokedex, if I recall correctly, including mm. um, maybe, geez, I don't remember. They had a lot of the po- Johto Pokedex, though, for sure. And yeah. So, and you had to capture the Pokemon when they were in shadow form and then cleanse them. Yeah, that's actually something they've adopted into Pokemon Go, is you, Team Rocket comes at you with shadow Pokemon and he cleansed them. So I name all of my cleansed Pokemon Saint whatever. So I have like, you know, Saint Pikachu and and what and whatnot. Uh, on the flip side, I think you have the Wii a little high. I don't know. I think uh, Operation Rainfall really saved that console. Plus, plus the virtual console, which was true virtual console in its best form. But not saying a lot, but still saying something. I mean, it did have Xenoblade Chronicles and Last Story. That is, once again... A really good one-two punch. I I think it deserves to be up there. I don't know, like GameCube and Wii feel a bit equal to me. Oh, I think I think Wii edges it out easily with the Virtual Console alone and Xenoblade Chronicles, which blew my mind at the time. Wow, I mean, this this tier, I'm telling you, like it's actually really hard to rank them because I just noticed that you have the Sega Saturn in here too. Yeah, as I was doing this list, I'm like, blah, 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 oh my god, I forgot the Saturn, blah, 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 oh my god, I forgot the whatever, I apparently forgot the the, the Wonder Swan, so I kind of had to do my best. I feel like we'll get a little more solidified with the with the A tier and the S tier. But where's the Game Gear, Nadia? Put it with the Master System, Jesus Christ. There are a lot of consoles out there, <laughs> There's so many consoles, and so many of them only have like one or two RPGs and gave up. I would have put the Vita at the top. Honestly, I would probably consider putting the, oh man, I, I don't know. It's, they're all kind of, they all kind of are similar in many ways. They have uh, a 
a couple of like really standout RPGs and then a lot of uh, licensed games, yeah. like B tier RPGs, that kind of thing. I-, I think Saturn should be probably pretty high though. Saturn is a tough one to rank because it has so many really excellent unique Dra- RPGs. Panzer Dragoon Saga, Nadia. Panzer yeah. Dragoon Saga. But who's gotten to play that? I have certainly have not. I've always wanted to play Dragon Force. That looks so amazing. But so many of these Saturn games are lost to time because Saturn is really hard to emulate. We haven't really gotten a mini Saturn the way we should have. So yeah, that was... Um, Saturn is definitely a system I want to see preserved and to see those games come over to a, a modern console. If they brought us Panzer Dragoon Saga, like the world would flip upside down. I would put the PC Engine, no offense to the PC Engine, much lower. <laughs> Where did I put it in relation to... You put it at 15. To... Okay. Hmm. And so this is what you have right now. 13 PS Vita, 14 okay. Wii, 15 PC Engine, 16 Sega Genesis slash Sega CD, 17 Saturn, 18 GameCube, 19 Dreamcast. I put mm. the dream. I would keep the Dreamcast probably about where it is. I mean, it did have again a couple of standout RPGs yeah. in Skies of Arcadia and Grandia 2, and nothing else. Oh, also PS2. Oh, thank you for pointing out PSO. <laughs> Yeah, PSO was certainly uh, revolutionary for its time, and I was thinking about the Dreamcast, like, okay, well, we got Guys at Arcadia, but we got a better version of that very soon after on the GameCube, so it doesn't really feel like it, it should be in, in line with the GameCube, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The problem with the PC Engine is that a lot of those RPGs just don't hold up particularly well, mm-hmm. like Cosmic Fantasy, like, I don't know. When I turn on my PC engine, I'm not going in there to play Ease. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that I agree with. I feel like modern Ease is so much better than bump into your enemy's Ease, which stopped with four, I think. So some people love it, though. Some people still love the bump and grind. I, I can't uh, I can't grind shame here. I think it's a super notable uh, platform, especially in Japan. And yeah. it has a lot going for it. But so much of what, like we were talking about earlier, so much of what recommends the PC engine, in my opinion, is like arcade games. So I've I'd probably put it on the bottom, maybe even below the Dreamcast, because at least the Dreamcast mm. has those like one, two, three incredible RPGs. Are there any others? Not really, but you got those three. I can see where you're coming from, because again, even though it started Ease, and I think it started Legend of Heroes 2 with Dragon Slayer, or that was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the first one. Those aren't games that hold up extremely well, although I have said this a thousand times. Look up the voice acting for Legend of Heroes Dragon Slayer. You will you will be you will thank me for it later. And then like the Sega CD and the Sega Genesis, I mean we have the Lunar series and Fantasy Star 2 and Fantasy Star 4. Fantasy Star 4 was on our top 25 RPGs of all time. Yeah, I guess maybe I would put the Genesis higher because I am mm-hmm. including the CD with that, which definitely ahead is- of the PC <laughs> engine. Yeah, no, you're right about that. You're definitely right about that because the CD games alone uh, with Lunar and uh, e- uh not Ease um well, there were several games that Working Designs brought out, and although the localizations do not hold up, in my opinion, which is very controversial to say, I still think the games are really iconic and certainly blazed a lot of trails in terms of storytelling. It certainly did. As for the game that, as for the platform that deserves to be at the top of the B tier, ah, oh, jeez, um, I can't choose. I, I'm curious to know, like, what people think should be at the top of the B tier. I'm going to like close my eyes and say 
maybe the Sega Saturn, which was for so long the darling of import bands in so many ways and has one of the all-time greats in Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yeah, I shoot. It, it is really difficult, in it, uh, isn't it? I don't disagree with the Saturn. I almost want to give it to the Vita, though. The poor Vita. But the Vita just has a remake. I mean, okay, yes, it has a lot of <laughs> good RPGs, a lot of like solid to middling RPGs, but like its its biggest claim to fame is a port. That's true. You know what? Um, I think I will give it to the Wii. The I'm Wii, okay, Wii. because of Xenoblade Chronicles. Because of Xenoblade Chronicles, because of the Virtual Console, and yeah, the last story. I've heard Pandora's Tower is good too, but I never played that, so I can't say. Well, okay, so we haven't really set up a kind of like, um, what's the word, criteria for what tiers they're going to be in. But to me, like the two tiers are like maybe the three criteria would be the does it have absolute classics? Yeah. Okay. That's one. What is the breadth of the RPG library? Right. That's two. And three, does that library hold up? Mm. That's so, an important one, yeah. The Wii does have a couple of classics on there. I don't know about absolute classics, but a lot of people like still love Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh yeah, I still love Xenoblade Chronicles. I still think it's a great game. I mean, the remake is fine too, but if, if I were to go back on the Wii and play it there, I think I'd still like it just as much. But I don't think it has the breadth in terms of the library. Mm. And yeah. I don't know if that library holds up. It's been a long time since I've touched like anything other than Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii, to be honest with you. But again, that virtual console was just so good at the time that I just feel like I have to give it to that for really introducing a lot of people to these new games they've never got a chance to play. You know, Nadia, like if you want to talk about the only platform that I think maybe ticks all three boxes in terms of breadth having all-time classics and also like holding up i would say sega saturn's the one mm. yeah you might have something there but i'd have to play panther dragoon and dragon force i mean to really... you should probably you should play it anyway <laughs> it's hard to get like an emulator hard it is like the saturn... go to japan oh, okay. um in pandemic times, apparently, <laughs> and buy a Saturn from Super Potato, which I hope is still around. I don't know what's open and closed in Japan. I hear a lot of things are closing down. It makes me sad. Okay, let's continue on to the A tier, Nadia. Uh, so this is what you have. Number six, NES. Interesting yes. choice. Number seven, PlayStation 4. Number eight, PSP. Number nine, Xbox slash Xbox 360. Number 10, GBA, and number 11, PlayStation 3. So uh, I'm curious, why did you put the NES at the very top? Oh, yeah, and sorry, uh, number 12 is Game Boy. Uh, that is a good question. I've, you know, considering your criteria, I'd still say that Dragon Quest 3 and 4 hold up very well. Hmm. Um, they have gotten remakes, but the the originals are still great to play. Yeah, you know, I was thinking in terms of maybe pioneering, and of course, yes, that is the the system that brought so many of us to RPGs, through Dragon Quest, through Final Fantasy. But yeah, I guess maybe that should be bumped down a bit lower because even some of the really great RPGs never made it our way, like Final Fantasy three and two. Well, two is not great, but it was there. I would honestly put the NES in the B tier. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should have done that. Just because I, well, it has the breadth and it has classics like DQ four is a total classic. DQ three. 
total yeah. classic. Honestly, maybe even final the original Final Fantasy three, or the original Final Fantasy. Um, oh, so many of its RPGs are just freaking old. They just don't hold up super well. Like it's hard to pick Some... them up. Like they were, like they're they're a different flavor for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think if you are an RPG enthusiast and you want to see where the genre got its real start, it's a great system to have and to play with. But you're going in there realizing that you are dealing with, for example, Final Fantasy. The original Final Fantasy is bugged all to hell. Like, half the stats don't work. The Game Boy is a shockingly good RPG system. And I mean, just because it has Pokemon, it gave us Pokemon, you know? It did. It gave us Pokemon. Maybe I should have ranked that much higher because it gave us Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gave us a really fantastic remake of Dragon Quest III, talking about Dragon Quest again. Uh, The Game Boy Colors, if you combine that with the uh, Game Boy, yeah, you you do get a very solid RPG library. Uh, I almost want to say Crystallis, but no, that was pretty terrible. That was a really terrible port. Yeah, like, if you want to hit all three of the criteria, like, huge library of RPGs. Mm -hmm. A surprising number of which hold up. I mean, they're very old school kind of Dragon Quest clones a lot of the time. But there are more than you would expect that are like still pretty enjoyable to play. It was where Super Robot Wars got its start, I should mention. Ah. Uh, It's where Pokemon got its start. I mean, of course, Pokemon, Pokemon Gold Silver, Final Fantasy Legend. Um, And they're still fun to play in many ways. So I think the Game Boy, like there's a rhythm that Jeremy Parrish is doing his his Game Boy works for Retronauts. I mean, like, it's a, it's a great system. One of the greatest. It also had the beginnings of Saga slash Final Fantasy Legend. And it's funny because I look at Saga, I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do with this. But when I go back and play a Legends game, a Final Fantasy Legends game, it still feels opaque, but it feels like it's supposed to be. Like, I just feel like, okay, this is an old RPG. I'm just going to squirrel my way through it and see what happens. And it works out really well, but it just doesn't work the same way for modern Saga with me. I think the PS4 is one of the best console RPG consoles ever. Yeah, I think what I wrote in my summary is that we got a whole bunch of sequels, but man, they were just great sequels. Yeah, but we also, I mean, we were a lot of sequels, a lot of ports, um, a lot of really good games that you could find on PlayStation Network. And I mean, if you take a step back, like you could argue that Dragon Quest XI is one of the greatest um, in the series, period. Yeah, absolutely. No, No argument there. Uh, this Dragon Quest XI is great. I mean, you have like Persona 5. You have that on the PlayStation 3 too, but I don't think anyone played it on the PlayStation 3. I like, I think it's an S tier uh, console myself. Mm, okay, that's fair. I, I put it up there though, but maybe it should have been on the, on the S tier. And I think it's worth noting that a bunch of really good um, Western RPGs came out on it too. Like Dragon Quest Inquisition deserves to be on this list. Uh, Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition, yeah, it's a remaster. Yes, we got lots of remasters, but they were really good remasters, gosh darn it. I mean, I'm not against remasters at all, because you're talking about games that people probably had didn't Persona get Had Persona 5. That's what I said, had Persona 5. I, like I said, that was more of a... That Nier was on Automata. the PlayStation 3. I forgot about Nier, and that's a big one. So yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly a must-have console for RPG fans. Divinity Original Sin 2, The Outer Worlds, Kingdom Hearts 3, Dragon's Dogma, which, of course, yeah, started on the PS3. I'll get you. Tons of Tales games. I mean, just the sheer breadth of RPGs on this thing. It's ridiculous. Yakuza Like a Dragon came out on it. That's right. Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay, well, we can move that. Cyberpunk I'm- 2077? 
Okay, now it goes down to the lol tier. You've done it now, cat. A lot of people love Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like, I'm just scrolling through this list, and it's pretty ridiculous how many great RPGs it has on it. Yeah, I can't deny that it's a really fantastic RPG machine, and you should absolutely own one if you like RPGs. Yeah, I mean, so many... I think maybe part of the problem is that the PS4 has... Maybe its identity isn't, in some ways, RPGs. Like, its identity, I would say, its legacy would be the Sony first-party titles like God of War and Horizon uh, Forbidden Dawn, and so many of its greatest RPGs got their starts elsewhere. Yes, Final Fantasy VII Remake got its start on PS4. Dragon Quest XI got its start on the PS4. But FF7 Remake is a remake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bloodborne, and I mean, Bloodborne was its, it was a new thing. Yeah, that's true. I, you know what? I still have to play Bloodborne. It's definitely on my to-do list. Well, maybe we'll do that when we get it on to the, uh, when, when we do a Pantheon about it, Nadia. That would be a great idea. I would like that. But yeah, I think uh, PS4, you got to put in the S tier. Okay, that's fair. We'll move it up. I don't know about the Xbox 360, though. Xbox 360, I feel like, really introduced console gamers to Western RPGs, thanks to Bethesda's uh, catalog. Well, the original Xbox did as well. I love that you lumped the original Xbox and the 360 together. The Xbox, the original Xbox, definitely a B-tier system. Though the original Xbox had KOTOR, like, again, not too many RPGs. I have a Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance. Um, but the ones that it did have were really good. Exactly. Like I said, it was, I didn't know the, the you know, the Elder Scrolls from a hole in the ground. And this was the console that taught me, okay, here's Skyrim, here's Morrowind, here's all of that. Here's the, the Khajiit, of course. All the memes. The memes won't stop. So yeah, it's a, I think it's an important RPG system if we just regard it a little bit differently. I think the Xbox 360, I mean, the fact that it gave us Mass Effect and yeah. Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect Trilogy makes it super notable. And for the longest time was one of the main ways that you could actually play that trilogy. The fact that exactly. we, we got Skyrim and Oblivion on it, uh, Fallout 3 coming out in 2008, that was a huge deal. Um, and, you know, there are other games out there on the Xbox 360 that maybe have been lost to time a little bit, but are still fairly notable, like Kingdom of Amalur and Fable 2, for example. So, uh, and, you know, in its day, from like 2005 to 2010, I would say the 360 was kind of the king, you know? It, it Everybody, definitely was. 360 ruled third person, third party games for sure. It did. Like, that was the time when you were in Japan, I think you mentioned, and it was a very, mm -hmm. very different atmosphere over here for gaming. Not necessarily bad, but JRPGs were certainly off to the side, and this was a time yeah. more for, like I said, uh, computer RPGs to come to the consoles, and PC is a good PC that could place a, a Morrowind was still pretty expensive and still quite inaccessible. So the fact that these games are on consoles, you could buy them at the store, just pop them in and play them, that was a very big deal. I think the question that you start to ask yourself is, 360 and PS4, you can get like basically all of their best games on other platforms. So mm -hmm. at what point does it just become diluted? You know, at what point does it stop be feeling as notable? Like, do you start, do you think about the present or do you think about the impact of the past? 
that's what I was having kind of a difficult problem with. And I think you mm-hmm. do still have to think about the impact of the past because there are so many of these RPGs that you can't get anymore. I mean, we just talked about the Saturn and and what have you. You have the Game Boy Advance on here. Mm-hmm. And the Game Boy Advance is interesting because it's having a little bit of a renaissance these days. And oh, everybody... Yeah. And it, it certainly has been notable. I mean, it brought the Fire Emblem series over yeah. in the West, as you already point out, as multitudes of Fire Emblem games, like multiple good uh, square Final Fantasy ports, but it's so port heavy. It's an extremely port heavy sim- uh, system, sometimes quite lazily, in the, like in the instance of Capcom's port of Breath of Fire 2, that still makes me mad. But it gave us, yeah, it gave us Fire Emblem. I think that counts for a lot. Uh, I'd, I'll just say Advanced Wars in the same breath because it's not an RPG, but it is still from the uh, kind of the same family. And yeah, it is having a renaissance right now. I'm hearing about all these crazy, crazy prices going for Game Boy Advance games, especially since mm. Metroid is having like a huge surge of interest It's having right a moment, now. isn't it? It really is having a moment, which is fantastic because Zero, Metroid, uh, Zero Mission is still an amazing Metroid game. Yeah, Fusion and Zero Mission jumped to the top of the Wii U uh, sales charts. That's hilarious. And I imagine like the servers, the Wii U servers, like coughing and struggling to stand up. What the hell's going on out there? I think the Game Boy is more notable, but I would rather play the GBA. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I adored my Game Boy Color, but the GBA was just such a such a style to it. And of and course, both of them Sun. have crazy huge RPG libraries, you know. Yeah, these are systems that were definitely lower in terms of resources. So it was a great opportunity to get rpgs on there which move a little more slowly and so you don't really have to worry about screen blurring or anything like that i would consider putting the ps3 above the 360 Hmm, i wasn't sure about that one but the 360 hit harder but so many of its games have kind of circulated out to other platforms and it's hard to say that it has an identity anymore Mm. whereas the ps3 to some extent yeah that's also the case with the ps3 Eh, they're the same. <laughs> I love that I talked myself out of uh, having an actual conversation. It's like, oh, the PS3 is wet. Eh. I mean, it had Nino Kuni, which came to Switch. Valkyria Chronicles came to Switch. Came to Switch. Dragon's Dogma, yeah. better on PC. Various Tales yeah. games, usually ports. Uh, Demon's Souls slash Dark Souls was a multi-platform same. game and is better on practically any platform but the PS3. I just want to give it that shout out for being the first to have Valkyrie Chronicles, especially during a time when JRPGs were so dry and everything looked so bland. Here came the PlayStation 3 to have some new ideas, at least. Uh, Dragon's Dogma, Demon's Souls. So I think it was important for that reason. But yeah, I am not itching to hook, to hook up my PlayStation 3 and play through them again because I can play literally all these games in better, faster forms on PlayStation 4, on Switch, on PC, name it. When you think of the PS3, the first part of its run was it getting its lunch eaten by the 360, including in yes. Japan. Yes, that's hilarious. Games like Tales of Vesperia were coming out in Japan first because Microsoft was going and making all of the exclusive deals and everything, mm-hmm. right? And then the second half was, yeah, you were getting better games like Dark Souls. You got a really horrible version of Skyrim on the you PS3. Sure did. <laughs> totally blunk your system and it's it kept chugging along all the way to like 2016 where it was like it actually did hit the 10-year mark 
for the the PS3 and you st- you were getting games like the Trails series, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, You're getting a lot of very low budget games from uh, studios like Compile and that kind of oh, thing. Right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about You're that. You're getting very bad Super Robot Wars games on the 360 or on the PS3. Oh, I mean, dear. that's a big sin. Yeah, there was that period where it was just a game, with, a Japanese game would come out and it would be on the Vita and the PS3. <laughs> Pretty much, that's right. Uh, 360 did not really exist, despite Microsoft's bad efforts. I think the 360 is better than the PS3 in terms of RPGs. Like, there are a lot of really good RPGs that came out on it, but when push comes to shove, I think the 360 had the better impact. 360 also really started the indie boom, I think, with the Xbox yeah. Arcade. That's when we started really thinking seriously about downloading games, maybe games that weren't like triple a full budget games but were fun nonetheless i don't remember a lot of really kind of indie rpgs but i'm sure they existed back then and finally uh psp so the psp so many amazing rpgs on that one as well including a lot of ports again like tactics ogre and that kind of thing but it did have crisis core Yes, it had Crisis Core. It had, uh, as you said, Tactics. It had War of the Lions, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was... I didn't play too much of that, but I heard it was pretty good. A lot of Sting RPGs made their way onto the PSP from the uh, GBA. Right, of course. And uh, that was the original place where you could play PS1 games, uh, PS1 classics RPGs on on the handheld. So that was pretty cool. I mean... You're talking about like Chrono Cross, for example. You're not going to really play that anywhere else. E7 and Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Oh, I forgot about Birth by Sleep. Do you remember Half Minute Hero? Oh, geez. What? Oh, God. That's in the back of my head. What was that? Uh, it was this weirdo game uh, where you had like 30 seconds in order right. to play through an entire quest. I think it was from NIS. And it was just this goofy little RPG. It was made by Marvelous and published by Exceed. Okay. Okay, it's, it sounds really cute and had fun. Cute actually. graphics and everything. Yeah, I remember people talking about it now. Had a lot of Monster Hunter. It was the Monster yes. Hunter machine. Yeah, that's one reason I ranked it as highly as I did because it's just Monster Hunter for days, and that was a really, really important game. Monster Hunter for days, <laughs> for weeks and months, more like. So I think the PSP was quite a good RPG, a good RPG machine uh, for a long time during the dark days. Yes, of the RPG yes. boom, uh, but again, it has the breadth, and it makes me a little it makes me a little sad that it's so hard to access so many of those games nowadays. Especially like you kind of have to get them through the Vita store. Yeah, it really is a shame, and not to mention the library for RPGs was practically nothing here compared to what Japan got. Japan had a great time with the Vita. The PSP is like the Vita in that it's defined by its ports and its uh, remasters right. and that kind of thing. Right. Except it's just, there's way more of them. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot more of them. I actually just said that Japan had a great time with its Vita when I meant the PSP. I don't think anybody had a great time with the Vita, unfortunately, when it's too bad. In terms of, like, holding up, I would rather play, say, the PSP than the NES. Mm, I guess but that's But I think fair. the NES is, like, more notable. Yeah, yeah. Most, for certain. I... Uh, and I think about it, it's like, would I play the PSP? Well, if I would, I'd be playing it on the Vita because the screen is better. <laughs> and I would rather play the GBA than the PSP at this point as well. I wasn't sure where to rank the GBA next to the Vita. It's. I was thinking in terms of Monster Hunter, but Monster Hunter has come so far since the first game. So, yeah. 
I don't know if you can rank them, but as long as they're in the right tiers, that's, that's what fair. matters. Yeah. I wanted to make sure at least they were in the right tiers. I think the Xbox is like the definition. The original Xbox is the definition of a, a B tier system. Yeah, it was uh, very stealthy in the way it brought us uh, hard drives. And when I first heard about the Xbox having a hard drive, I was like, what the hell is that? Who needs that? But it turns out everybody needed it in the end. I think that the Saturn should go up into A tier and maybe the Wii as well. Bold choices, bold choices. Probably the Saturn above all. And then I would consider moving the, the original Xbox and the PS3 down into B tier. So you would separate the conjoined twins that are the Xbox and the Xbox 360 then? Yeah, yeah, I would. Because, I mean, the X- the original Xbox was defined by, like, KOTOR and, and uh, oh, okay. Morrowind and that kind of stuff. So it had its own RPG legacy. They were different consoles, Nadia. <laughs> if you say so, that's fair. Okay, you can move them. I mean, it had a Shin Megami Tensei game, for heaven's sake. I was looking at up recently, Shin Megami. That was the 9 one, right? Yeah. That looked like a a game, all right. It sure was a game. It was a game, apparently. (laughs) All right, finally, the S tier. This is what you have, Nadia. You have, number one, the original PlayStation. This is a very Nadia opinion. Hell yes. Number two, the Super Nintendo, which we said was the best one back Mm -hmm. in the episode. Number three, the Switch. Again, bold choice. We're going to have some words (laughs) over this one. Number four, the PS2. Number five, the Nintendo DS. Okay, Nadia, walk me through your reasoning here. (laughs) I want to know. I think the PlayStation, it comes very close to the SNES, but I had a talk with myself and I said, okay, the SNES gave us, so many of us, our first RPGs. It gave us Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger. I could go on and on. But these were expensive games. They were often hard to find. And there weren't a lot of them compared to uh, Japan. We lost out on Final Fantasy V. We lost out on Seeking Dead Tetsu III. Uh, we lost out on a lot of saga games, a lot of front mission games. Just stuff that would not work because they take too long to localize. And the, the profit wouldn't be worth it. So here comes the PlayStation. And while maybe the library has more uh, crap than this SNES... There's still some really, really spectacular games. This was Square's some of their one of their finest moments with Final Fantasy VII, with Chrono Cross, with uh, Final Fantasy VIII. And much as I don't want to admit it, I admit that you know certain people certainly didn't like it, so <laughs> I can admit that much. But to me, what was more important is that it made RPGs so much more accessible. Here comes Sony with a huge. A campaign for Final Fantasy VII, which got people interested in RPGs. Not everybody hung on and stayed, but there were certainly a lot of people who did, and they still love Final Fantasy VII. The cost is a big issue. Uh, with a Super Nintendo, you were paying at least $10 more for a, uh, an RPG cartridge because you had so much memory in them. CD is all the same price, all cheaper games to begin with because it was CD versus cartridges and no Nintendo uh, licensing. So... Yeah, I feel like PlayStation takes it just for the cost, the accessibility, and the fact that so many more of these games were localized and brought over to the West. Not all of them are great, but at least they were there. Can we talk about the Switch really quickly? <laughs> you sound like a teacher that's about to like, keep me after school. Yes, let's talk about the Switch. What's the defining Switch RPG? Xenoblade Chronicles 2. 
Would you put Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in the pantheon <laughs> of greatest RPGs ever? I probably would if you let me. <laughs> you wouldn't let me. I think Octopath is the defining RPG of the Switch. That's a good one too, but they're both good. I still like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 best. The, Octo- the Nintendo Switch is an amazing console that I love. I love it so much with all of my heart. It's probably my favorite console of all time. It is a port machine. It is so totally. many ports. It's all ports. But they gave us ports of games we could finally play. Fire Emblem Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, you're, you're not wrong. I guess you could say, yes, it's an S-tier RPG machine by any measure, but it doesn't have the classics on it. It does not have its own classics. It, is not def- it did not define the, the genre in the same way as the PS2 or the SNES or the PlayStation 1. It has Bravely Default too. Is that a genre-defining classic? No, but it's great. I love that game. It's going to be in my top ten, but it's yeah. not a genre-defining classic. Oh man, you're no fun. It will have Shin Megami Tensei Five. Yeah. <laughs> good. Hooray. I hope it's really good. I think it's going to be awesome. I don't know. If you want to bump it down to the lull tier, be my guest. Tell everyone else you did it. I don't know. Like, I think it is an S tier RPG machine right now. Right. I mean, give it. Uh, it has. I think the biggest advantage of the Switch is that it brings so many wonderful RPGs into one place. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why I why I think of it as S tier. It's like its defining feature. Yes. Right? So does it fit into the the actual uh, criteria? Two of them. Yeah. <laughs> it, it fits into the right. they're still fun to play and into the um into the sheer breadth for yeah. sure but in terms of like the the sheer classics that's why like i i'm just going uh, i don't know and you're not gonna count breath of the wild are you no it's not an rpg because <laughs> then i'd say it's, it's an easy win yeah it's close it's getting there but so much of I... that game is like exploration and combat like if i even look at the b tier the switch does the switch have an rpg on the level of paper mario thousand year door or panzer dragoon saga or even the original xenoblade chronicles yes i know xenoblade chronicles got ported (laughs) over to the wii but i don't know i I, it's been so long since I played, say, Thousand Year Door, and it's mm. I haven't played Panzer Dragoon at all, so I can't say, oh, Panzer Dragoon really aged well. And I already know that for all of the the fondness people have for Thousand Year Door, and I do too, I love that game, there is a lot of tedious backtracking and stuff that people, uh, I think, are letting themselves forget. So, I don't know, they're not perfect RPGs by any means, but I feel like they wouldn't exactly be squashed by, like, you know, I, I feel like, say, you know, it wouldn't squash you know the chronicles too it wouldn't squash octopath traveler it, we all have to kind of play these games in the modern context again i still think the super nintendo is the best i i if you want to put it above i understand i gave you my reasons for kind of putting the playstation above but both both are good as the meme says the rpgs hold up they do it's they square at do. its the true glory of square right like when yeah. they just they mastered that system. It's just a wonderful feeling when you look at a developer that truly masters a system. And so many notable 
um, franchises really got off the ground, including like the Tales series, for heaven's sake. That's got true. their start on the SNES and it's still eminently playable today. It's in that sweet spot. It's still gorgeous. Yeah, like Chrono Trigger is an easy pick up and play. Like there is that game again has not aged a day. Uh, the PS2 is right up there as well, in my opinion. Like when we were going through it, I was just like, geez, this might be the best platform ever made. Just like the influence. We're still feeling the influence of the PS2. We're still feeling the influence of 2001 to this day. I I didn't really know where to put it because I knew it had to be an S tier system by all means, but I just did not get a PlayStation 2 until very much later. So I did not have that sort of established nostalgia for it. Uh, including like Final Fantasy X and X-2 and, and everything that came on the... I mean, Persona 3, still really haven't played that. Dark Cloud 2. It's on, forgot, our, oh, the, the, the it's, on a, it's on our voting list right now. It is? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I've always uh, wanted to kind of play It's like that. sitting down there with um, uh, 13 Sentinels at 14%, Ooh. but it's on the list. Oh, that's fair. I think the thing that separates the ps2 and the super nintendo in some ways is that the ps2 has the uh it does actually have some western rpgs on it that is true uh it also has dragon quest 8 which is one of the, another one of the best in the series mm-hmm. also really holds up uh, that's persona 5 persona 3 4 and 5 no the wait PS2? that's not the ps2 it doesn't have five that's the ps3 <laughs> that's stupid. the ps3 <laughs> come on cat get it together. I play, get it together cat <laughs> Can you imagine Persona 5 on a PS2? Now, that would be some polygons from hell. It'd be like someone ate a it bunch of polygons. It would look all right. And... It would be like someone ate a bunch of like cel-shaded polygons and threw them back up and just be like, Joker would be made out of like three triangles or something. has several of my favorite Super Robot Wars games of all time, the PS2. And that thing... Well, that's fair. And that system lasted forever. It just kept it going. Did. Yeah. Uh, here, not so much, but in Japan, where you were, like, I could see it hanging in there and getting all the, J- the JRPGs. It, it while was still a Xbox. thing by, like, 2010, and yeah, games on it were quite were quite beautiful. Yeah, they, they were certainly a jump up from the PlayStation. Like, to see that leap from PS1 to PS2 graphically was like, wow, games will never look better than this. And it was just <laughs> the inauguration of a new era. Like, mm-hmm. the Super Nintendo refined what came before in the NES. Right. Like Chrono Trigger was the perfection of the form Mm -hmm. introduced in the original Dragon Quest, whereas the PS2 was where modern RPGs really became a thing. It had games like Final Fantasy XI on it, you know? Right. That's true. Yeah. I never played that, but it's still, people still play Final Fantasy XI. So I'm changing my answer. It's the PS2. (laughs) (laughs) No more. uh, Go to hell, eh, Super Nintendo. Go back down to the lull tier. The original PlayStation is amazing too. I just I don't know if it holds up as well as the PS2. I don't know. There are still RPGs on there I love, like Breath of Fire 3, for example, Chrono Cross, mm. games that you're not gonna find too easily elsewhere. But load times, not not nostalgic for those. It I mean it had Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre. That's true. Though I That's think Tactics true. Ogre was a SNES game. Tactics, yeah, the the original Tactics Ogre was a, Tactics was a, SNES, game. Was a SNES game, so that was a port. March Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, yeah, it did have FF Final Fantasy Tic Tacs, which is still hugely, hugely influential, and people still cry out for a new one to this day. I would go as far as to say, Nadia, that even though I like the Switch better and would rather have a Switch over a DS, I think the DS, in, sh- in terms of sheer, like, 
how hard it hit. And by the way, you didn't do the 3DS. <laughs> how did I forget the 3DS? You forgot the 3DS, Nadia. Oh my Jesus. I'm sorry, everybody. Nadia didn't do her homework, exposing <laughs> her on the episode. <laughs> that would be a 3DS god. That would be A tier easily. But I'd still put the DS over it because that's where we got like so many, so many franchises started. Like uh, Bravely Default, The World Ends With You. These are all games that kind of come came to our rescue when when JRPGs did not exist anymore. I think I understand why you didn't put 3DS on here because the DS and the 3DS do bleed into one another in a lot of they ways. They kind of mix in your head, don't they? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I don't fun. know. Like the Nintendo DS, uh, we're splitting hairs here. But as as great as it was back in the day, um, I, I'm inclined to not necessarily put it into that S tier. Mm, really knock it down yeah. to a yeah there might be only three systems that are truly worthy of being in the s tier and that's the ps1 ps2 and the snes okay that's fair i suppose yeah but the 3ds and the ds are certainly up there for oh, giving the us DS was an amazing platform for, yeah. for rpgs i mean just go back and listen to our episode like where we're raving about it i mean bowser's inside story is still one of the funniest games i ever played what do you think is the most underrated RPG system on this list? Oh, that's a good question. Um, shoot, it, it's hard to say because there's so many that just deserve more love. I would say probably the Vita. The Vita? Yeah, I feel Again, like... Again, you're going been... back to the Vita. I love my Vita. It really just... Like, every time you turn it on, the, the icons kind of jiggle. Like, I think it's so <laughs> cute. I love it. It yeah, makes me it happy. Good games on it. It did, and again, that's the game. Trails of Cold Steel, like, really got its start on the Vita in many ways. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of cheap to say so, but that is the game that I, that is the system I go back to for my PlayStation classics, so I I have nice nostalgic feelings about my Vita, even though the select button doesn't work for some reason. Yeah, that was the thing, right? It had a lot of PS1 classics. You could play Suikoden 2 on the thing. (laughs) Yes, so there you go, win. A++++. I think that maybe one of the most underrated RPG machines on this list be the GameCube. I don't think I don't think people think of the GameCube as an RPG powerhouse and certainly not next to the PS2. It's definitely not. But I mean look look at games like Thousand Year Door and Bat Kaito's got uh Tales of Symphonia like those are three games that I can name off the top of my head and a lot of people can name and they're classics. They hold up. Yeah, the GameCube was good for RPGs that you're just not going to play anywhere else. God knows we haven't gotten the Thousand Year Door. I'm not sure about the status of Symphonia, but I've heard different things, I guess. But the GameCube is still it's still worth having a GameCube just because you have those exclusive games that you're just mm. like Metroid Prime, for example. I know it's not RPG, but that still really holds up. That's the thing is. I mean, if you look at these things, like you can't get Thousand Year Door, or, or I don't think Bat and Kaido's anywhere else. Like, some of them made them over, their way over to the uh, the Wii, or got yeah. remastered in various ways, like Tales and Symphonia eventually got remastered, I suppose. Um, and I guess from an RPG library standpoint, it's probably a little top heavy. Top heavy, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but. As far as an underappreciated console goes, I think that's mm. a good pick. Yeah, I think that it tends to uh, fly under the radar a lot of ways. I bet a, I bet a not insignificant number of people would say Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you still have Xenoblade Chronicles X on there, and you're not getting that anywhere else so far. 
Would you say the GBA is underappreciated? Uh, I think it got its day in the sun. You, would you say it's, it's appreciated now? It's, a pre- it's appreciated, especially on the secondary market. Oh my God, now it is. Yeah. That's so funny is I wrote a, wrote a retrospective of the GBA in like 2011. People were like, nobody, nobody, it was very much a Willie hears you, Willie doesn't care kind of situation. <laughs> we get a lot of that in this industry, don't we? Yeah. And now like people are like, oh, GBA, amazing platform. Love it. <laughs> Ruby and Sapphire were the best Pokemon. Don't at me. Don't at me. Yeah. What do you think, which platform, just irrespective of how good, like whether or not it had like all time classics or something, had the greatest breadth of an incredible RPGs, like whether or not they were ports or whatever. That either goes to the PlayStation or the Switch for me. The original PlayStation or the Switch? Yeah, uh, I'd probably take it to the Switch because I just haven't downloaded a fraction of the rpgs eastern western computer whatever that i can Mm. play on there the sheer degree of choice yeah with the switch i am never lacking for an rpg i know i will never lack for rpgs so yeah that's my choice for that i think the ps4 might top it Mm, that's fair too that's the ps4 got like all of the practically all of the games that the switch did that's true yeah but the switch is portable (laughs) the switch is portable it's so good to just sit there and play games by myself with my little Switch. If you could own one of these, would it be the Switch? I think I'd take the Switch. If I had to go to Desert Island with a somehow has electricity, I would take the Switch. I think you're right. I think you're right. The, the PS4 is a close contender as well. Yeah, like if I took the Switch with me onto a deserted island, I could finally get caught up. Maybe. I, I probably still wouldn't have time to get caught up, especially if I'm being headhunted by boys. We totally forgot to put the Xbox One on here. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Sorry, everybody. Fail. Xbox That's like one. a B tier. Yeah, I don't recall playing So many games many. that also came out on PS4, but did not yeah. have much of an identity of its own in terms of uh, actual RPGs. That's it. It's not. I mean, we got like... F- Fallout. Oh, that was Fallout. Was also on the PlayStation Four. Yeah, that was the thing. It's like so many games that came out on the PS uh, on the Xbox, but the PS Four had all of those games plus Japanese games. Exactly. Xbox One. I think a lot of us went through that generation without turning it on very often. Actually, I lied. I'd bring my PS Five over my PS Four because then I could play PS Five games as well. That makes sense. Just in that term, yeah, that's sensible. And at some point, it might be backward compatible. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Xbox uh, Series X is really rocking it with backwards compatibility, but again, it's not like there's a whole real huge library of Xbox RPGs I want to get into. But it does, I mean, the Game Pass is pretty good. Like, it does have a Mm. wide range of uh, PlayStation RPGs and now Bethesda RPGs and that kind of thing, both Eastern and Western. Yeah, Game Pass is certainly killing it, and I think in the future, like, it'll just continue to kill it because again it had microsoft has gathered up all the western rpg developers under one roof and said okay time to make us time to dance for us all right folks that is our console rpg quest wrap up i'm curious what do you think is the best console of all time for rpgs which would be the one that you would bring to your personal desert island hell to keep you company what is the most underrated console? The one that we got a short shrift. Are you going to yell at us or not paying enough attention to the wondrous one? I want to know. 
what did we forget? I'm sure there's something else. We we forgot a number of uh, platforms on here. Thankfully, I, I managed to add them back. Yeah, <laughs> the poor Xbox. Jeez, Nadia. <laughs> the Xbox fanboy is coming after you. Oh, dear. That would be very bad. They're, they're quite aggressive. I think the Xbox has a much better RPG legacy than you're giving it credit for, Nadia. I'm sure it does, but not the one. Like... We just went over how the one had mostly ports. I mean, you're absolutely right about the original Xbox. That was on me. Xbox 360 had a really fantastic Western legacy. One was just like, eh, if you don't have this on the PlayStation 4, we kind of have a version here. Well, Nadia, that's it for the console RPG quest. You can go listen to the entire library. It's all out there on the show. We tried to talk about all of them at one point or another. Heck, I think we even brought up the uh, Jaguar and the CDI at one point. But there's still more to talk about, Nadia. We've still got 40 plus years worth of PC RPGs to talk about, among other things. So there's lots more where that came from. And I think that is the territory we're going to be heading into next. But in the meantime, that's pretty much it for this episode. Thank you so much to everybody for listening and for supporting the podcast. As always, if you enjoy the show, go ahead and support us over on the podcast of your choice with a review. It'd be really great. We'd really appreciate that. And of course, go if you enjoy the show, also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. We will be back on Wednesday for our $10 patrons when we will be releasing our Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne Pantheon of the Blood God episode. And of course, the Summer of the Rings episodes continue as well nadia but until then for nadia myself thanks for listening and happy adventure oh my camera turned off that's weird yeah, I got a I got a no signal. You're now colored bars. I mean, whatever.